When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. What's up, everybody? We are back with another episode of Dice It Up on the Her Hoop Stats podcast. Awesome guest. Uh, love watching her call games all season last year. Been a big fan. Love the way she analyzes the game. Uh, you may know her uh, from the Sports Center days. She's she's everywhere. Athletes Unlimited, etc. The current play-by-play caller for the Phoenix Mercury, Cindy Brunson. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So cool to be a part of your awesome show. Oh, you know, we have some fun. And I mean, and I think we have some, uh, it's great when we have two people who like call games or uh, do color. (laughs) And I'm just amazed by the the similarities in in your experiences. And and like, like you talking before the show about getting reps. It's like, I've heard Ice talk about that all the time. Yeah, it matters. For me, every rep is a step. So every time I get an opportunity to call a game, I know I'm getting better. And I can tell you going into this second season with the Phoenix Mercury, I am a thousand times better than I was game one last year because I've had so many games in between in addition to that full first WNBA season. Mm. Did, uh, did, did doing Athletes Unlimited help as far oh, as like just kind of thousand putting... percent. Yeah. Athletes Unlimited got me into the pro women's basketball space, right? Yeah. I knocking on the door forever. I've lived out in Phoenix, Arizona, golly, since 2013. Uh, Amber Cox, the former COO of the team, gave me a couple of nipples. Um, And then, of course, she moved on to do a zillion other things. And now she's back running the Dallas Wings. But um, so, yeah, it was hard. I mean, there are so few opportunities here in the Valley. There are so many people who want to do them. They're lined up like planes on a runway. It's ridiculous. So 
to just continue to beat that drum and fight that fight was a lot. But Athletes Unlimited gave me an opportunity and I'm so grateful for it. They paired me with the Hall of Famer, Cheryl Swoops, so incomparable, so knowledgeable. And so we just had fun and mm-hmm. fans heard that. And they heard it sounding like we were just sitting on the couch with a red yeah. salt minus the swear words talking who. <laughs> And then Phoenix decided, you know what? We want in on that too. So yeah, I owe everything to AU Pro Hoops. Oh, I love that, Cindy. Um, I love that you first started off just talking about growth. You know, just where you are in your career, where you've been in your career. It just says a lot that still at this point in your career, you're still looking to grow, especially in the women's basketball space and calling games. Um, in this last year that you've been in the W Athletes Unlimited, where do you see the, the most growth that you've had personally and professionally uh, working with the W and then some of those athletes in AU? Just the close connectivity with the players and their stories, right? It's one thing to watch at home from your couch. And there's another thing about being in the arena and having the access to the athletes and the coaches, the facilitators and Athletes Unlimited, and everybody that has a hand in growing the game. When you can have those one-on-one conversations, it just enhances your ability to do your job. And then the reps themselves, just looking at the docket, we've got a 40-game season this season in the WNBA, and I can go, all right, I know national TV is going to take a few of those away. Uh, the Ion Road games will go away as well, but still, I'm going to end up doing more games in total than I did a season ago. So that means I'm going to be that much better at the end of this season when the Mercury make the playoffs for an 11th straight time. Just putting that out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I know I talked to you about odds before because you, you got on to me for not betting Washington State during the Pac-12 tournament. Hello. Uh, All cut down the net. Right. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I was like, there's no way Phoenix does not not make the playoffs you know it's it just uh it just happens bg's never missed so yep. and i guess what diana's maybe missed once i don't know how long diana's been in the league forever yes. i was gonna say yeah, she was there before playoffs started yes. <laughs> so uh i did bring it was uh am i saying it right wazoo i mean i'm i'm from texas and now i live in the the east coast i i don't know too much about the west coast life but wazoo yes. washington state um i read a story uh, that you actually like bought a car because of the color and it made you think of Washington state. Like, is that real? That is real. When I was at okay. ESPN and I needed a snow car, right? Connecticut feet of snow during the winter time. And this is before we had, you know, Carvana or anything. <laughs> None of that. We just literally would go to the dealership and pick out a car. And I had no idea about snow cars. I kind of had a vibe as to, all right, I need, it's gotta be bigger and heavier, whatever. So I pull into the little Nissan lot and I see a Murano, bigger car, and it's crimson. I didn't even take it for a test drive. I said that one, that's what I want. So yes, that is true. (laughs) I love that vibe. I just want to be that sure about every decision I make. I love that car. I'm not a car guy. I would much rather see my money hanging in my closet mm. on shelves, uh, handbags, whatever. So, same. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, same. So, yes. I'll, I'll buy fashion. one car every <laughs> decade or so. So, yeah, it's a, that's the only joy about living in New York. You don't need one. Um, no, yeah, yeah. But uh, the ties to the West Coast, um, do you ever see yourself, uh, I mean, I guess, is Arizona considered West Coast? It's on its own yes. time zone. Yes. 
It's on its own time zone. Half the year yeah. we're Pacific and the other half we're mountain time zone. But yeah, I think just, you know, both big Arizona schools being in the Pac-12, I think it's just all considered West Coast. Uh, it's very okay. chill. You rarely see a businessman wearing a suit. I mean, yeah. it's it's very relaxed. Yeah, I've been to, been to a bachelor party a time or two in, in Scottsdale. <laughs> yeah, a, I bet you have. <laughs> and I, I think there's a reason why James Harden still has his home in Tempe. Oh, 1,000%. Not the facility at ASU has his face all over. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep, yeah. I will say um, calling a game out there last year working for the Connecticut Sun, um, Phoenix is one of my favorite places to go. Like right? in just uh, the 40-hour, I felt like, gap that we were there, um, the exploring the actual city, like the nightlife was really cool. Um, but also just the Phoenix Mercury and and like event presentation, just yeah. the game and how it makes you feel like that atmosphere. I loved it. I had felt like, okay, obviously I've been to a number of W games because I'm sitting here calling games throughout the season. But this made me feel almost like I wish I was a fan right now. Like I wish <laughs> I was in the game, like getting the T-shirts, like yelling out different things. Like what do you like most about just the Mercury and the atmosphere that they provide for you guys, especially at home? I have been a fan ever since we landed in Phoenix in 2013, because before I got opportunities to call games, I was a season ticket holder for the mm. entire time up until I got the you know, call to sit courtside at the table doing TV. So um, I'm very familiar with how it's run. It's elite. Yes. And it is so engaging. The fan experience is second to none. In my opinion, mm. I think the reason why the X Factor are so engaged is because they have no other option. There are so many opportunities presented by the Mercury organization to get fans hyped up about the team, loud and proud, all of it. And um, the Phoenix Mercury were one of the first to come up with the idea for Pride Night and to actually mm. hold Pride Night. I mean, they've just they've been on the cutting edge and on the right side of history time and time again. And I have such pride saying I'm the television play-by-play -play voice for the Phoenix Mercury. Mm. I love, love that. that. And I, <laughs> I feel like last year, I mean, like, you know, coming into, I guess, your first full season, mm -hmm. uh, you might be able to write a book about everything that kind of went down last year, I assume. <laughs> <Listen>. <laughs> um, like, I, I I know. I mean, and I, I mean, I was praying for everyone involved with a, a variety of situations, but the players mm -hmm. are going through it. But I mean, could you feel the uh, tension and and oh. just kind of the emotional toll every day? Oh, 100 percent. I mean, we started in the off season, right? Mm -hmm. Before anything happened with Brittany Griner, we see on paper that we have a roster comprised of players that will put a starting five on the floor that will all are all stars from the previous season. No mm -hmm. other team is going to do that. Everybody's getting so excited about Las Vegas and New York this season. That was Phoenix last mm -hmm. season mm -hmm. going into 2022. And then Brittany Griner gets wrongfully detained. And there was just a gray cloud over the organization all season long. And I felt so bad for the players because as an announcer, I was so excited, but it was mm -hmm. me, right? Because we weren't full excitement because of BG's terrible situation. So I can't even imagine. It was hard for me to get up for games. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. my first season and I was 
unbelievably excited. I just had to dial it back. And so everything, it felt to me like the rest of the league was playing in color TV and we were in black and white. Like Mm -hmm. we just, whatever we did just wasn't right. It wasn't good enough. What, what have you. And then team chemistry was an issue. We had a divorce. I mean, (laughs) what is Tina's doing? What? I mean, it was just surreal. And still, Skylar Diggins-Smith finds a way to make an all-star team again, flirts with scoring 600 points, made my job so easy every single night. Um, And Diana was Diana, right? Mm. Second in the league and made three-pointers with 92. Are you kidding me? She celebrated a 40th birthday in the middle of last summer. And she missed a lot of games. Yes. Yeah. She didn't miss any games until the very end. Yeah, she yeah, yeah. 31 games and then had the leg issues. Um, we got to see the emergence of Shea Petty. Diamond mm-hmm. DeShield was finding her way. She and was. They just needed 100% Diamond DeShields. Like, that's how thin the roster was. They needed more from her. And she just physically couldn't give it because she was working her way back from not even thinking she might play basketball again. I mean, it was just a lot. So now... You know, I just came from the practice facility and it's just so light and bright. And BG, as much as she is a force on the floor, it's away from the floor. It's her in the locker room. It's her traveling. She is just a big teddy bear. And all of the tension that went on, especially at the guard position with the Mercury last season, would have been dispelled had BG been there. Because that's what she did in years previous. So yeah, it was, it was a lot, but I think we're all better for having survived it. And I know that BG in particular is really looking forward in every game she plays in every arena, thanking the fans for their support. Mm. I will say watching a ton of games, uh, I did like that, at least from the fan perspective, it didn't feel, you know, too sad or negative. I mean, I feel like y'all always gave a nod to BG and, yep. and you know, but I mean, you just kept the talk about hoops coming. You and uh, I think Ann um, mm-hmm. were just fantastic. So uh, credit to you. Cause I, 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 some with ADD, I definitely just get distracted all over the place and compartmentalize so many things. So um, I cannot imagine some of the background stories that, that may have gone on, especially like, um, I mean, and, and I feel bad, like, uh, bringing up Tina Charles, but, like, mm-hmm. um, I know she's expecting to probably play with BG, right? You know, so there's oh, some, you feel some empathy towards her. And when things changed and she was asked to play the five, that didn't work. That that mm-hmm. wasn't where she wanted to be. And and I get that. Look, she came to the Mercury having led the league in scoring in Washington. Like, yeah. He's a former MVP. When you sign Tina Charles to the dotted line, you know you're getting production. It just didn't fit her vision of production. So I get that. Um, and her vision is unique and is wild when we think about it. You know, we're going to have final rosters on May 18th, and Tina Charles isn't on a roster yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's something. Yeah. Uh, and, I, I mean, I wasn't I, – I don't know enough about Vanessa to – uh, to speak too much to, but the fact that they won so many games that they should not have the Phoenix Mercury down players. Uh, I think there was a game against the Liberty. They didn't have Skylar or Diana. Um, 
And yeah. I think they still went off and went. It's like Shea Petty and mm -hmm. uh, Sophie so had probably had 30 each. Yeah. Uh, just ridiculous games. The zone was like working to a T against certain teams. She would switch in and out of it. Uh, what's your opinion on her? Vanessa was an unknown quantity, right? Not only mm -hmm. to the league last year, but to me personally. I knew of her from Windward High School where she coached because she coached kids like Charisma Osborne at UCLA. Mm -hmm. So from my Pac-12 women's basketball schedule, I knew of her, but I didn't know her. Um, I tell you what, I'm still irritated that she didn't win Coach of the Year last yeah. season. Had an argument. How yeah. Becky with yeah. the low roster and all <laughs> bells and whistles. Really? Was it that hard, Becky? <laughs> Vanessa Nygaard changed her offense four times. Four. She had an original offensive set with BG, had to change that. Then Tina Charles leaves, she had to change again. Then Skyler wasn't available for a game. She had to change again. And then a fourth time when the injuries at the end of the season, when Skyler wasn't available because she turned out to be pregnant, and then Diana was hurt. As they go into the playoffs facing the eventual champion aces, it was a completely different lineup and system to accommodate mm. players that she did have healthy and available. Um, so I was very impressed. Now she's tweaked her staff because she knows what she wants and what she's looking for. Um, so we got a couple new faces there, but Nikki Blue returned. Um, and I think she's just having gone through all of that last year is going to be a much better coach this year. And yeah. not to she wasn't very solid last year. You know, again, it goes back to the reps, like we were saying at the top of the show. Um, she just, nothing is going to phase her now. And she also has the buoyancy of having. Yeah. yeah. I think I speak for all of us and I just feel like it's going to be a good year for them. Like it is just going to be that year where they can bounce back, where there hopefully can be some stability, where you can just kind of love around BG and just express that you're so happy that she's on the court with us every single game um, yes. but also just for the team to be able to focus on basketball like a credit to them last year of just they could have focused on anything else the whole entire season and it could not have looked how it did and so I just I know it being a player it'll just be a breath of fresh air just to focus on basketball and celebrating yeah. the fact that you know yeah. our players in the league in their home um, Cindy, I, I want to ask you just in terms of dealing with all these different situations, being part of a team, um, where do your mentors come in? Who are your mentors? Who are those people that get you through those tough times um, and that kind of help you learn and grow along the way, even in this position right now? Well, my first mentor is my husband, Steve Berthume. He's the television play-by-play -play man for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's the reason why we moved to Arizona after 13 years at ESPN, because he messed around and got his dream job after trying <laughs> for just six months. <laughs> whole nother telecast there um but anyway that man has watched more women's basketball both pro and college as a non-super fan <laughs> than <laughs> any one person should helping me find my voice so he mm. is first second is kate scott i mm. uh, got to know her when she was at pac-12 network before she went to the nba 76ers and um, she has just been a ballast for me. She, I got to see the job that I wanted to do watching her do it uh, because I had never done play-by-play -play before I moved West. ESPN asked me a couple of times and I always 
thought I can't travel. I never see my husband now. We work in the same building. So it just never seemed to work for my family. Uh, but then when my husband got his dream job, I was like, all right, I got to pivot. And Kate was somebody that I ran into very early when I was at Pac-12 in 2014. And I saw her excellence and mm. I appreciated her grind. And I was like, I, that I want to stick with that person. And I actually <laughs> affectionately call her my carrot. And when <laughs> she got the 76ers job, I sent her a big plush doll carrot <laughs> because she just, she always does it the right way. And she hustles and, you know, she's the one who told me that's great that you're getting feedback from your husband, but reach out to your friends that you trust at ESPN, send them their, your tape. I also still am in contact with my favorite former professor at Washington State University, Glenn Johnson, who is now the mayor of Pullman, Washington. Wow. I send him stuff. Uh, to critique, or if I'm on FS1 calling a men's college basketball game, hey, tune in, tell me what you think, what do you like, don't like, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, just a few trusted voices because um, you can't do it yourself. You yeah. can only listen to yourself and critique yourself so much. You, you need feedback and constructive feedback. And sometimes it hurts and sucks and whatever, but it makes you better. So, and I'm a huge believer in iron sharpening iron. And, and turning to the people that I really trust and are good at what they do. Mm. Yeah, I'd be so bad at giving criticism. Just don't know how to be. <laughs> really? How to be, when it, it depends, I'm right? No problem with it. <laughs> I, it depends. I, I'm saying with like with people like you and Ice, like people oh. on TV, I'm just so, it's just another level of talent. I guess you can really see the bad ones, right? Yeah. <laughs> Like they stand out so hard. I can tell you, she came into a game and know who has done their homework and who hasn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And know who's buttoned up production wise and who isn't. Because mm -hmm. once you've been on that side of the camera, you never watch television the same way again. Uh, right? Never. Yeah. Never. It's funny. I was watching um watching uh Lakers Warriors the other day, mm -hmm. and I think it was after. Uh, was it? I think it was after the Lakers one. There was a typo um, on on the lower third graphic, and it was like LA leads three zero. My boyfriend goes, "That is ridiculous! Like, <laughs> come on, this is prime time TV. Like, they can't make a mistake like that." Right. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, "Babe, like, yes, but you know, it's it's one little typo. Like, it's it's just one little." He's like, "But no, it's not okay. This is TV." And right. I just I thought I felt so critical because I understand. Like, I get it. When the littlest things happens in our productions, to which other people don't even know. Right. I think that would always be a cool story to know is like conversations in control rooms and production meetings that mm -hmm. equal, you know, the product that you see. But yeah. just all the different types of information we decide to share and not share and how we craft different stories. Um, but you do become very critical. You watch everything and it's just like, mm, I would have held that information maybe to the third quarter if I knew that I was going to bring in this later. Like it is so interesting just just how you do that. Yeah, for sure. And that helps you get better, right? Because yeah. I'll watch a Connecticut telecast and I'm so sorry for your loss with Barry Sachs that mm. I'm still trying to get over that. Um, mm. But anyway, uh, he was so great to me at ESPN. He would let me mm. scream at the walls. Like, why won't they put me on women's college basketball? Why won't they let me host this, that, and the other? And at the time, this is like 2004, 2005, I'm hosting... Mm women's college basketball and I'm asking to take the show on the road and I'm asking to be the primary host and not mm -hmm. have a male host. It went from Trey Wingo to Kevin Nagandi. 
And I love Kevin and I love Trey, but I was just like, a woman should be doing that. And I was told by my bosses, no, a man has to host because if people are flipping around, especially males, 18 to 35, they will stop the remote if they see someone who looks like them talking about the sport and maybe stay. Mm. It's like, well, it's not like I can change genders right now. I just, you know, but I would go into Barry's office and he would let me scream the paint off the walls about the absurdity. And then mm-hmm. I can keep moving. So I owe him everything. But as you guys put together your telecast, I was very impressed with you always come out of commercial break with the fit walk. And I'm like, mm-hmm. every team in the league should be doing it and should be doing it that way because it's just structured part of the telecast and the fact that you guys always have, and in the times that I've tuned in, a sideline. I think every mm-hmm. team should have a sideline reporter and we don't in Phoenix. And I feel like, we're just not serving the fan to our maximum ability because of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great it's, point. A great point. It's wild. Like the, the, the things that I'm concerned with at work right now are making sure all the fonts are the same size and the PowerPoint decks I put together, <laughs> you know? Um, but like Cindy, you were part of sports center in like, the heyday of television because it's not really it it's was nothing. hundred pound gorilla yeah, i mean it's not I, the cable tv without live sports to me is just i mean uh, you look at stock numbers whatever uh or look at the number of subscribers it's just kind of not the way technology went you know so uh you were kind of there in its heyday and i know i mean i've read you talk about uh being on during some some incredible sports moments, but for you, what was something super different that, that kind of changed the way you felt about uh, sports and its connection to the people? Ooh, I would say it goes to my hardest day at work. And Mm. that was the day after Kay Yao passed away. Mm. I was charged with interviewing Pat Summit. She was so gracious to come on just hours after her dear friend had passed away. And I had put her on such a pedestal as every woman's basketball fan does. And, um, and she was tearing up and I was tearing up and it was the hardest thing I've ever had to get through. And I just kept sitting there just admiring her strength and just her commitment to wanting to share Kay's message and the power of her life. Um, so I, I miss those big platform opportunities to command people's attention. Um, mm-hmm. That was one thing that ESPN did for me in particular um, in certain instances. And I love the jobs that I have now, whether it's Pac-12 or Athletes Unlimited or Phoenix Mercury that spit, you know, take up a lot of my calendar. I just don't have the reach that I did with those four little letters from Bristol. Yeah. I mean, still always doing amazing work for <laughs> sure, but it's, it's so cool to see and know like, I mean, I think you can tell with like Scott Van Pelt, for example, like they oh, have the a- coolest dudes ever right? to watch earth. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm, it's, it's jealous that I'm name dropping people that you're like, you could probably be bros with, but um, <laughs> the, you can just tell that you're not only good at your job, but you're super passionate about sports. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that creates like, quality entertainment and and feeds not just males 18 to 35 but uh, <laughs> across the spectrum all the way you know 
girls coming up five years old talking about, you know, the New York Liberty, like yeah. saw it happen uh, like two days ago, walking in Brooklyn. So um, really cool stuff. And uh, I just thank you for your service to, to sports. Oh, thanks. No, I love that you mentioned Scott. He was always great about, cause you got to listen when I'm in a sports center meeting, I was the one that was always, Oh, we're just going to put up a graphic that the Liberty are playing the mercury. And I'm like, mm. just a graphic? we're not going to have 15 seconds of video with that. Blah, blah. So when that graphic came on trust and believe I gave 45 seconds of content and breakdown about that one game. And Scott, when I would work with him, he could have complained, but he's like, no, that's great. Yeah. Who should I do? Diana Taurasi? Okay. You got Penny Taylor. All right. Blah, blah. And he would chime in and get on board. So the bosses wouldn't give me static back. Um, mm. He was a great ally in that respect. Would you say the culture was like that across ESPN? Like as far as like the anchors go, like, uh, like to, to be on that platform, you had to, to possess a certain passion about sports. Oh, 1000%. Yeah. No, you didn't get hired because you were a fan of, you know, breaking down numbers on the stock market. It was, where'd you grow up? What were you a fan of? What are you passionate about? All of that. And it was funny because there was a time in the early 2000s, well, late 90s, before I got there. Um, I got there late uh, 99, September-ish, um, mm -hmm. where, you know, Stuart Scott is blowing up, Rich Eisen, all of that. Um, Dan Patrick, so it was becoming those guys being bigger personalities than Sports Center. You know, people were yeah. tuning in because they wanted to see Stu and then that whole deal. And the bosses wanted to tamp that down, right? They're like, nobody's bigger than ESPN, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so they put out this edict. You cannot say what school you graduated from. You can't cheer extra hard, blah, blah, blah. Well, <laughs> Stuart's got like, take your little rule. <laughs> He would just be out there, you know, North Carolina, this, blah, blah, blah. And I was yeah. like, okay, well, I'm going to do that for Washington State. This is great. Right. You know? so, right. And because Stuart, and then when Van Pelt started hosting Sports Center, he did the same thing for Maryland. Right. So yeah. then it was just, then it was okay. But those guys, because they just thought it was so absurd in their head, they're like, no, we're mm. doing this. I mean, even when Twitter first launched and like, what was that, 06? Um, ESPN was hesitant to put our Twitter handles. I mean, it sounds silly now, but when it first started, they were hesitant to put our Twitter handles on, on the graphic with our name. Huh. Um, and then it became a requirement. And then some guys went against the grain, right? Like my friend, Neil Everett and John Anderson. They're like, well, no, I'm not doing this Twitter. Ah, that's just extra work that I'm not going to get paid for. <laughs> to this day, they don't pay attention to Twitter, which is hilarious. But, um, but yeah, so it's just, it was interesting in the culture that it was yeah you had to be a diehard sports fan and and we all loved it because of that mm. it's so refreshing just to hear your stories because you've been a part of this industry for so long and you've seen it change um but one of the elements that we've definitely seen change is just women calling more games um mm. how important is it that women call more games and that they're calling games at all levels and regardless of sport I think it's incredible. And honestly, if I'm being completely honest, I never thought I would see the day that not mm. one, but two women are NBA team broadcasters. I, mm. I just didn't think that that was possible. Um, and now we have, you know, Hannah Storm is mm. calling NFL games on Amazon Prime. I didn't yep. think that would happen. I always thought there had to be some sort of tie between playing the sport. So I thought football was out. 
I thought basketball was out unless it was WNBA, unless you were an analyst, because we'd seen some analysts get into that NBA space. Um, so I'm glad that my gut was wrong and that my perception of how bosses could look at things. But I tell you what, if we hadn't witnessed the year of our Lord 2020, mm. I know that we would see Kate Scott with the 76ers or Lisa mm. Byington with the Bucks. Um, yeah. That was so transformational when we're all at home on lockdown, right? And we're watching George Floyd get murdered on TV. Mm. And everybody has to deal with that because we don't have any other choice. Right. And I think because of that seismic event regarding racial and social justice, it made the bosses that had normally made the decision to go with the white guy again and again and again to say, you know what? We can't do it that way anymore. We have got to pivot off of this. It was George Floyd and it was also Maria Taylor's yeah. <laughs> with ESPN that I think created a watershed moment for that company mm -hmm. in particular because they were very contractual. When Rachel Nichols said she had a contract to do a certain job, she's not kidding. That's yeah. exactly how they would spell it out in their employee deals. Um, and so I see Rachel's side of it completely, uh, mm -hmm. but I also get where Maria was coming from. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't let the cream rise to the top, right? If you are the best person for the job, it shouldn't matter what the contract says. Um, and how that whole mess was handled was ridiculous. Um, I'm sure Maria is happy about it now, cashing those checks at NBC. Um, and again, she's using that as an opportunity to create space for somebody else, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I first met Maria Taylor at a National Black Journalists Association conference. And we literally had been given marching orders from ESPN at that NABJ to find the next... Aaron Andrews, but she's got to be black. I'm like, mm. oh, okay. Um, so I'm in this mixer and I see Maria across the room because she's very tall. She's like six two. Mm -hmm. um, and I go over to her and I talk to her for a couple minutes. And I was like, okay, well, mission accomplished. I found it. <laughs> Back to my guy, Al Jaffe at the time. And I was like, Al, you need to talk to that young woman who attends the University of Georgia in the corner. She's mm. the next one. Um, and my and finder's fee is this percentage. Exactly. <laughs> right. I did. I did Roz Gold on Wude's edition. Wow. I did Ina Robinson's edition. I know mm. talent. I I should have been a talent agent. Actually, now that I think about it, I did it all wrong. But you can just see and and yeah. and what they have and what they bring to the table and how they comport themselves and their passion and how they relay that to you. It was mm -hmm. very identifiable. Um, what stunned me is that Maria didn't get more opportunity right away, but that was part of the machine at the time. It just mm -hmm. it didn't foster growth like it does now. I see mm -hmm. so many different faces, especially women of color, getting opportunity to do things at ESPN. And that just was not the case when I was there. It was me and one other person. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I I remember starting that book, uh, Those Guys Have All the Fun, about, uh, <laughs> and I, for some reason I got busier, but like after this conversation, I wanna go finish the book. Like, I, mm. I mean, it's such a fascinating time period. Um, yeah. And granted, like, you know, hats off, you know, for going through the struggles that, uh, or essentially paving the way for so many different uh, 
women and, you know, uh, people of different nationalities to come through mm -hmm. and have an opportunity. And that's probably what they, everybody wants is an opportunity because um, yeah. talent's there. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I never had to wait for the ladies room. I tell you that. Linda Cohn <laughs> joke about that all the time. It's like, you don't have to wait in line. You can have the whole space to yourself. <laughs> uh, do you want to, do you want to get back to some like WNBA preview? I, I mean, I could definitely ask you like a million questions about, <laughs> your your past all the time but um so thank you about that but this coming season uh we obviously have our super teams but uh outside of the mercury just from what you know what you've heard uh who are some teams that you're just super excited to watch play uh and it could be because of roster changes or because they were building something great last year uh not just one two okay i've got my eye on the washington mystics mm -hmm. yes adela don is healthy and I tell you what, Tosh Cloud, you think she was impressive last summer? <laughs> she's going to destroy that assist record. And she's done a threes. Um, those guys are scary. Uh, mm -hmm. And then Atlanta, because yeah. Dan Hunter, the GM who put together primarily the roster that we see, minus Candace Parker with the Aces, uh, is running the show in Atlanta. And he is mm -hmm. drafting well, and he is signing well. Alicia Gray dominated athletes unlimited pro women's hoop season two she mm -hmm. must have finished in the top four on the final day of the season because she stuffs stats and mm -hmm. she is one of the first women that i have seen that can do a chase down defensive block from the behind uh deal like lebron mm -hmm. james does right yeah. leash flies down the floor and somehow gets it clean doesn't get called for the foul so athletic i asked cheryl swoops who reminded her most of her in season mm. two? She said Leash. Um, that she, and she's just scratching the surface of how good she's going to be. So yeah. I think if she's unleashed, mm. oh, <laughs> she <laughs> will destroy the competition opposite her. Um, and I think if they can get those new pieces to mesh with the old pieces, I love what Ari McDonald was doing in her yeah. sophomore season she's ready to make some hay um I, I really like atlanta so those two teams in particular have my intense attention mm. i i love those two teams um for different reasons or different players um washington mystics you know they talk about their defense all the time right in media day and we've seen different posts they're talking about defense they added britney sykes to their yeah. defensive catalog someone that is going for an all defensive award every single year Playing with Brittany, living with her at Syracuse, she cares about defense. And so I love that she's just going to embody that um, and really take, I think, the Mystics up another level. And then in terms of Tanisha Wright in Atlanta, I just believe in her. Yeah. Like she just gives me the feeling that she is building something, that she's got the players that are coming along with her. Um, and I'm excited to see the growth in Ryan Howard. Just her yes. playing another year, going overseas, doing what she's doing, but coming back and now being a more mature superstar on the floor and i think tanisha i can get the most out of her in her young years yeah let me yeah. add I, I gave you my one a's right mm. one b indiana melissa yeah. mm. smith is a problem and yeah. now you focus on her because Aaliyah boston is there uh that mm. team has some really nice pieces uh, yeah lex Wall was the defensive player of the year season two for au pro hoops she looked good won the whole darn thing. I called my first 50-point game in my career because Smith went 
off mm. in the gym. Uh, she is special. Mm. Yeah, I, I really like being in person and seeing what Lexi Holt was doing. I, oh. I was like, okay, um, this bump might be real next year. I did not believe in in Lexi Holt like at all until like seeing it up close and then uh, you know watching uh, when I left Dallas and I was like, wow, um, okay. And then Melissa, I feel like every game just. It was getting, you know, felt like a triple double. So yeah. um, definitely, definitely they're on my radar. It's it's super cool this year. Um, I mean, as I've told you before with the betting stuff, but we're getting we're getting lines for women's sports that we've never seen before. Like we have WNBA regular season win totals. Um, wow. And they, it's so funny that you brought up like the dream and the fever because I'm like, I want to, I already bet these overs. Um, I tweeted about it, uh, but the dreams win total line was at seven and a half huh. for the entire season. Right. That, yeah. That's the tad low. <laughs> yeah. With 40 games when they won seven last year. Okay. Right? And, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And the dream was 19 and a half. And I want to say uh, Mercury probably right around 22 or 20, 21 summer at 20. Okay. Uh, Miss six were the only ones higher than that, besides the super teams who are right at 28, 29. But, um, and then the you brought up Natasha Cloud, her season average, like you could bet above or below, but it's at six and a half. And I'm like, mm -hmm. uh, um, have they not been watching the last two years? Yeah, uh, I was gonna say that's an easy one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I loved it before, but I was like, I'll sleep on it. Uh, this was last night, and then now after this call. Um, I will be doing something and, and tweeting about it in terms of an over with Natasha Cloud's assist. So I do love that. Um, getting into the Mercury, uh, what do you think the ceiling is for this team uh, realistically? And knowing that there are super teams, but no championship is uh, guaranteed in any sport. So um, what do you believe the ceiling is for the Mercury? I can easily see them making the Western Conference Finals mm. because BG is back for her 10th season and she is the best post player in the world. So mm. she's there to build around and she's got shooters everywhere. I can see that both the general manager and our new assistant general manager, Monica, have been very intentional about making whoever is not named BG, they have to shoot the three. I mean, Megan Gustafson, that lefty magic, is nailing threes. Like, her ability to breathe is a part of the process. Like, <laughs> she has really locked in. That is something that has improved markedly for her in the offseason. So, a four that can pull the defense away from the basket, open space up for BG. Um, you got Breezy there rebounding. Sophie Cunningham has developed a mid-range game. Oh. She called Suns pre and post all NBA season long and became a fan of Devin Booker's game. So Sophie, known for three-point shooting, she hit 70 last year, wants to finish in the top 10 in three-point makes this year, uh, will also be going off the bounce and pulling up for 15. So I really like the team's ability to fill up the box score and, and wreck some people. There are some shooters on, Sam Thomas worked on her three-point shot. If she makes the team and gets run, she's out there to shoot threes. So, um, yeah, three-point shooting, huge. Mm, oh, and did I, I Mo Jeff? She came to the team and she loved her. 
at the yeah. oh, he was second in the WNBA last season in three point percentage of forty seven percent. So had a damn triple double. Dude, yeah. Mo Jeff triple double last year. People forget. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Minnesota against Dallas. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the exact game. I mean, I, I, I'm like 99% sure I bet on that game. Um, it was on the right <laughs> side of history, but he's uh, like, Mo Jeff is a special place in my heart with, uh, with how well she did last year. Look, she was a part of that last UConn win, right? 2016 mm-hmm. completed the Brianna Stewart for Pete, and UConn hasn't won a championship yet since. Yeah. So, you know, gonna clip that. We gotta right? clip that. Uh, no, it's funny because Vina Westbrook and I got into it in Dallas because I, I literally got up at some speaking engagement. And I was like, UConn is not making the championship game. Mark it down. I don't even think they're going to make the final four, blah, blah, blah. And uh, she's like, oh, that's blasphemous. How could you say that? And I was like, have you seen the team? The two best are hurt right now. <laughs> I don't know what you're watching, but no big No fun. Come on. So yeah. oh, but whatever. So So we got into it a little bit and I was kind of smug when UConn was eliminated. I'm like, E-Dub, what happened last night? <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but I love that for women's basketball, right? Because forever yeah. it was UConn. And before that, it was Tennessee. And so it's so wonderful to see South Carolina get a couple. LSU is back and finally gets one. You know, it just makes things so much more interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The numbers about how many people bet on it. Like, yes. yeah. I mean, just mind blowing the the amount of attention because it's to me, it's great. It's more viewers, mm-hmm. uh, more people getting exposed to the opportunity to watch women play basketball, which is a great product as it is. Yeah, it's yeah. just stop listening to, you know, Joe Schmo on the Internet. who says it's not cool. You know, yeah. like Dan, you, you would have loved this, but I was in a conversation with friends the other day going to bat for women's basketball and people watching more and i said if you don't believe me start gambling on it yeah. i said i have a friend of mine who was growing the game because mm-hmm. he gambles because he talks about it because he has these conversations because people are invested in money and making money and i was but i was like is another other avenue that we can use just to grow the game uh, in terms of especially the w which just oh my goodness last year constantly talking to dano about how games went but also hey this is what i cashed in on this is what we got to fix for the next time um it just adds another element to being invested um and then also more tv deals you know we talked about ion getting in on the games we talked about a 40 game season with the w so cindy to kind of close this i really just want to ask you what are some goals you have in the future uh, short term for the W to grow? How can it continue to expand? How can it continue to pull in um, more of his audience? Well, I ultimately agree with uh, the GOAT on my team, Diana Taurasi, who says, ultimately, we've got to play when basketball is being played in the winter for the mm. WBA to really mm-hmm. get into that next stratosphere. But until we can get there, mm. I think it is very critical, like we were just talking about, connecting the bridge between college and pro. I can't tell you how many times I've asked a collegiate basketball player, who's your favorite WNBA player? Uh And I get told an NBA name. That can't happen. I mean, you have to aspire to what you want to do. That's great that you think Kevin Durant is really good at basketball. I do too. But who is the woman that you are forming your game after? Um, I'm so excited to talk to Jenny Sims today. I was like, who's your favorite player? Simone Augustus. I'm like, I see that in you. I see that when you go off the 
account. I see that you worked on that over the summer. I get it. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it'll help fans go from one to the other, right? Because we stop playing college basketball, we crown a champion, and then a week later we're having the WNBA draft. So for me, it would be really connecting those dots between college fandom and WNBA so that we're not just getting 9.9 million or 10 million for a NCAA championship game that we're getting those numbers for the WNBA championship as well. Yeah. Well, and that TV deal is coming up. Uh, what? One more year, right? Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I expect to bring struck from said ESPN or whoever. Uh, I mean, if you look at what MLS got, and compared numbers, uh, I do some basic financial analysis for a living. Yep. Uh, I could forecast how big this deal could be uh, yep. if it's done right. I tell you what, ESPN has done a good job of being a steward to this point, right? Sure. You know, they, especially in the last couple of years, they have been very intentional about giving a variety of women's sports their shine. But I would love to see somebody else swoop in, Apple, Amazon, whoever's got yeah. that exact sure. money. Uh, Dano, you know more about that. Um, but to just give it a fresh, a fresh perspective. And so that it could be priority one. Yeah. Because we know at ESPN, NFL one, NBA two, and women's basketball, where does that, you know? I mean, yeah. we've got to deal with major league baseball for Sunday night baseball. So that's why we couldn't have the championship game on a Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Those things. Like if we can't have the NCAA women's championship game on a Sunday night because of Sunday night baseball, then ESPN priorities aren't quite where they need to be. So yeah. let's let somebody else at the table, let them into the party room and see what they can cook up and what kind of priorities that they could have for both the NCAA championships and women's basketball and the WNBA. It's so brilliant. It's so funny that it took me, uh, what, two months now to figure out that's why the game was played at 330. Uh, <laughs> Eastern <laughs> I'm sitting there at this action network party and someone's like, Hey, you know, can, can Clay, Caitlin Clark and I will win it all. And I'm like, absolutely not. They're like, why not? And I'm like, they're going to be South Carolina, but they'll lose in the championship. They're like, why? And I'm like, not in prime time. Caitlin Clark mm-hmm. in prime time. Absolutely. But the game is at the game is at two 30 local time in Dallas. I don't know why makes zero sense to me. Yeah. Um, now, you it, know, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Solve a huge problem. I mean, I, I would have came back to that next year, probably, if it's still on there. I mean, yeah, what, ESPN probably is like a 10-year deal, I think. Yeah. Right. Uh, but, oh, God, this conversation has been awesome, Cindy. Yeah. I'm so, so pumped. I got to go out to Phoenix and see a game there, hearing y'all both yes. talk about this experience. Yes. Um, let me know. We have great restaurants here in the Phoenix metro area. So let me know. I'll hook you up. Yeah, I'll, uh, I won't bring Ollie. But um, <laughs> maybe the wife. Okay. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll make it make it happen. Are you coming to call Liberty in this year? No. No. Oh. I can do Liberty. I um all the road games we'll call off a monitor. We hate that. Let's fix that WNBA. <laughs> yes. Yes. And everybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Impressive when Connecticut pulled through and they pulled through with their television broadcast team. Aces did the same thing. I'm like, okay, I see you. <laughs> Make yeah. sure my bosses see you too, please. <laughs> awesome. Cindy, thank you so much for joining us and thank you for your time. It's been really awesome. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys. Keep crushing it. <laughs>